0: Namotasa Bhagawat Tor Hato Sama Sambuddhasa Namotasa Bhagawat Tor Hato Sama Sambuddhasa Namotasa Bhagawat Tor Hato Sama Sambuddhasa Putang Sangham Namasami So, Sutta that came open the other yesterday when I was the other day when I was just the way one does, <laughs> casually roaming, was this one from the Majjhima Nikaya, the Ovada Sutta, Sutta 143. It's an exhortation to the great merchant Anatta Pindaka, was a prominent disciple of the Buddha and uh, in this occasion Anatta Pindaka is on his deathbed and he's uh, he said please could you you know um so anyway two disciples Sariputta and Ananda go to visit him and and uh, Sariputu says, I hope you're getting well, I hope you're comfortable, I hope your painful feelings are subsiding, not increasing. And Venerable uh, Sariputu says, Venerable Sariputra, I'm not getting well, I'm not comfortable, my painful feelings are increasing, not subsiding, just as if a strong man was splitting my head open with a sharp sword, so two violent winds cut through my head. Just as if a strong man were tightening a tough leather strap around my head as a headband, so to the violent pains in my head, I am not getting well. Just as if a skilled butcher or his apprentice were to carve up an ox's belly, ox's belly with a sharp butcher's knife, so to violent winds of carving up my belly. Just as two strong men were to seize a weak man with both arms and roast him over a pit of hot coals. So, too, there's a violent burning in my body. I'm not getting well, I'm not comfortable, my painful feelings are increasing, not subsiding. The increase and not their subsiding is apparent. So, this is, you know, departure lounge for, um, well, not even lounge, really, to exit for an Atapindika. And Sariputta says to him, then, household, you should train yourself thus. And uh, I'll read out sections of this in um, this translation, which is the Wisdom by Bhikkhu Jnana Moli and edited further by Bhikkhu Bodhi. And then I, this is the first one I came across, and this simple uh, refrain, I will not cling to the eye and my consciousness will not be dependent on the eye. You should train, thus I will not cling to the ear, the nose, the tongue, the body. I will not cling to the mind, and my consciousness will not be dependent on the mind. Thus you should train. You should train, I will not cling to forms, sounds, odours, flavours, tangibles, mind objects. My consciousness will not be dependent on mind objects. Thus you should train. I will not cling to eye consciousness, ear consciousness, nose consciousness, tongue consciousness, body consciousness. I will not cling to mind consciousness and my consciousness will not be dependent on mind consciousness. I will not cling to eye contact, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind, mind contact. My consciousness will not be dependent on mind contact. I not Cling to feeling, not cling to earth element, water element, fire element, air element, space element. I will not cling to the consciousness element. My consciousness will not be dependent on the consciousness element. I will not cling to material form. I will not cling to feeling. I will not cling to perception. I will not cling to formations i will not cling to consciousness and my consciousness will not be dependent on consciousness thus you should train Hmm. i will not cling to this world the world beyond my consciousness will not be dependent on this world or the world beyond I will not cling to what is seen, heard, sensed, cognized, encountered, sought after, and examined by the mind. My consciousness will not be dependent on that. Thus you should train. When this was said, the householder Natapindiga wept and shed tears. Viral Ananda asked him, Are you foundering, householder? Are you sinking? I am not foundering, Venerable Ananda, I am not sinking but though I have long waited upon the teacher and bhikkhu worthy of esteem, never before I've ever heard such a talk on the Dhamma. And then he passes away. So he asks, please, could you give more talks like this? To He says, well, sorry, Buddha." says, well, we don't know if ordinary people are ready for this kind of stuff, but <laughs> and he says, no, please, please, for those with a little dust in their eyes, please present this to them. So, and then he that's his as his parting wish, and Arda and then he passes away. Mm. So there's some, as we know. For a start, with this Pali Canon. Um, yes, this is this is a, this collection of texts is is a very valuable collection because. It's it's intact, and there are many, and there are a few other recensions of the Buddha's teaching, which have been broken up, lost. Um, so only bits and pieces of them are available in the Sanskrit versions. Well, this because this went to Sri Lanka, where it was preserved, whereas the Indian texts were later decimated by the Muslim invasions. Um, and what could be Aiken was taken to China and translated into Chinese, which oof, is quite a, quite, a, quite a step. So uh, the Pali Canon remains a sort of fairly very intact and solid uh, foundation, but it seems that it's, it's not always the earliest version. Of, of even what was laid down in certain instances the Sanskrit seems to represent some slightly earlier and remember this was that which re- was built after the Buddha's death by principally by the bhikkhus who got together and in groups and clusters and formulated these texts so it's it's. Uh, I mean surely they act in their best intentions so it's a Edited rendition of what the majority of bhikkhus sensed and remembered the Buddha was saying. So it often appears these rather formulaic ways in which everything has gone through in this um, slightly stiff, but it's like that because this would be chanted. So for chanting, it's most important you get the same thing happening again and again and again, because then it really gets it set in your mind. If you chant the same phrase over and over again, it lands. Whereas in reading, it just seems tedious. Well, we can see some of it is slightly, I mean, it's very poignant, but whether in the deathbed you'd have such a lucid uh, able to ability to describe your pains with such uh, poetic uh, flair, I don't know. <laughs> um, Anyway, the main gist of it, which is even you know taking all that aside, is still pretty uh, elusive in some sense. How can your consciousness not be dependent upon consciousness? Uh, I will not cling to the body. How are my consciousness would not dependent on the mind. Mm. Well, say so a few things. First of all. I looked at a different translation, and it says something rather different. (laughs) And here this says, um, I shall not grasp the eye, and there shall be no consciousness of mind dependent on the eye. I shall not grasp the mind, there shall be no consciousness of mind dependent on the mind. There shall be no consciousness of mind dependent on mind consciousness. No consciousness of mind dependent on the feeling born of mind contact. No consciousness of mind dependent on the consciousness element there will be. There shall be no consciousness of mind dependent on consciousness. The difference is that in this latter version, the emphasis is much more on the experience of grasping. And rather than uh, one's consciousness is not dependent on mind it just says I will not there shall be no consciousness of mine Uh, I don't know if this you can really get a sense of that so the first translation seems to infer that there is a consciousness there that can decide to depend upon a mind or you know whereas the second translation says well if there is grasping if there is no grasping, there will be no consciousness arising dependent on the mind. So, there is no consciousness until there is grasping. That's. And this is actually in line with what the Pali says, which is, um, you know, here's one example of it. Na upadisami na came Vinyanam bawisati bawisati na Upad upadi isami upadi is from the connected to the word upadana clinging so there will be this is the future tense there will be no clinging chakung of the eye um, na chame chakung there will be no becoming this is bhavisati of consciousness vinyanam cakunisitam leaning on or dependent upon or supported by or taking the eye as a foundation so it is this is you know, these words clearly are doing things that English language doesn't do very well. And it sounds rather clumsy, but it's pretty pivotal that for the understanding here that grass clinging is the action that one can un- can be undertaken or not undertaken. And dependent upon that is the Bawa, existence or future existence or becoming of consciousness. Nitsaya, taking dependence upon or supported by or using as a basis the I. And so this is, seems fairly in some ways well. If you're dying, clearly you don't want to have your consciousness dependent upon the eye because the eye faculty is fading out. Tactile min- mind contact. Now, again, because of the nature of the English and the Pali languages, as I might have mentioned before, but must be emphasized whenever you the word mind can cover in two words in Pali, which is chitta and mano. Mano is in always associated with consciousness. So, whenever you see mind consciousness, that means mano vinyana. And whenever you see um, contact, uh, mind contact, that's mano. So, mano is the organ associated with uh, thoughts, with external phenomena or phenomena that it sees as external to itself or experiences as an object hmm? so it's this famous function of Mano is to formalize an object and so its primary organ is called sikara. actually the word is Manas but it's generally seen as Mano form Manasikara means it's a particular, that's called attention, Manasikara, attention, that which crystallizes an object that we can then think about, conceive about, or in fact be tormented by, obsessed with. It's not always under our control. This is Manas. Formulating objects that then, as the experience of one, is beset by these objects, mental objects, tantalized by them, uh, interested in them, disappointed by them. There's definitely objects there that one feels in contact with, discernible objects. And as you recognize the stories, the ideas, the plans, the memories, these are all crystallizing. Brought into being through this function of manasikara, giving attention to, and then what arises is a a mind object, a dhamma. Now the other word that the English word mind covers is chitta, which <laughs> so chitta is mostly to do with. Uh, well, on one level it's to do with inclinations so certain urges uh, desires wishes good skillful unskillful confused it's a sort of urging it's a a volitional center stuff so it seeks an object to get something going on jitta is is this surging of fear joy love hate confusion this is all jitta material so these things are not really so much objects as subjective rushes that happen to us jitta can be trained to filter out that and keep inclining towards qualities such as gladness generosity compassion patience relinquishment so it's a doer. it's an activator and chitta can be trained to calm uh, soothed, steadied, brightened. Chitta can enter samadhi. And it can enter the place where actually the, the mano vijnana stops. Or it's very, you know, there's no objects coming into mind. And in fact, it says that place where mano stops should be understood. So there can be a quality of deep understanding occurs a place when this manas quality has stopped there's no conceiving there's no discernible phenomena that the mind can get activated by mm. says so this sh- this place should be understood mm. so quite different areas of our experience mm. Jitta Mano mm. jitta Receives perceptions, that's uh, signs, symbols, signs, meanings, felt meanings, Hmm. things that remind us of something, receives perceptions, and feeling, it feels, it's got a quality of pleasure, pain. Mano is not concerned with feeling. Clearly, the two operate together. Yeah. And then chitta uh, moves, urges, gets urged, gets aroused, gets stimulated, gets flustered, opens, spreads, widens, softens, or does the opposite. This is chitta. Mm. Two work together see, because chitta is purely, we might say, purely internal in that respect and so we have these six sense bases of which mano is one of them eye ear nose tongue body and manas mind so and they operate together because these are six very different experiences visual experience totally different from the Taste touch experience or the taste experience completely different. Both the data are different, the way of assessing the data are different. You know, just consider that. But what happens is the manas acts as the overseer and derives meaning. Says so that smell relates to that visual object. That's toast. <laughs> yeah. That sound relates to that visual form. That's Janice or something. You see something and then and you hear somebody's voice and you get that. So these things all link up through the organ of perception, through the action of perception, which the Manas derives and then triggers Jitta with the perceptions, the meanings of what is seen, heard, touched, and it sticks them together. Primarily, human beings' dominant consciousness, the one we use most often, visual consciousness, and manas, manas, mind consciousness. Most our reality is assembled through visual or mental. We think of things, and we often think of things visually. Mm -hmm. When you think of something, perhaps a, a a little picture arises in your head. Oh, I'll be going there. i will just going to Boston next week, and then a the street comes up, and maybe a favorite coffee shop, or there's so and so. I'll go and visit her. You know, the, the picture pops up. You don't get the smell. You don't smell that person. Probably <laughs> you get the sight comes up. So these two are the dominant ones. You know? So dominant we think, oh that that's reality till. Now, once again, if you ask one of our canines what Boston's like, they say, "Was oh, an interesting smell there, and there's a really nice fragrance there, and a disgusting over there." And then five dogs went past there last, you know, an hour ago. I can still smell them. What church? Harvard University? What's that? <laughs> it's that smell, isn't it? <laughs> they wouldn't know a thing about bricks, decor, classical architecture, but they'd have a very different. Boston than we'd have because they mostly assemble things through the nose and you take one takes one's own reality and of course they hear a different pitch we can't hear things that dogs can hear so their reality is assembled differently and yet it works for dogs and ours kind of works for us but just to recognise how relative and conditioned our so-called reality is conditioned by the fact that we're primarily visual creatures standing upright so we see things ahead of us We have a strong feeling of ahead of us so much so that we talk about time being ahead of us the future being ahead of us because we normally walk forward Uh, you know if you ask the jellyfish about the future (laughs) it doesn't doesn't work does it still sentient still existing still creating a world the world of jellyfish the world of dogs the world (coughs) of humans Hmm? imagine if you were born blind with no eyesight probably Sound and touch will be very significant for you. Feeling your way. So not to go on about too much about that, but just to recognize these sense bases are conditioned, relative, limited, not a truth. But this is what we we steer by. And our further existence, our ongoing sense of what will be, what could be and what was, is dependent primarily on these pieces of information that we get, which are rather limited, conditioned, and subject to not just visual impairment, which is one thing you only see so much, but also what you give attention to, because it's not what you see, it's what you give attention to in what you see, isn't it? That, is, that becomes your reality. Mm. And this is, if you... Uh, pretty, sometimes extremely uh, revealing to, to recognize what two people... Who apparently were in the same place remember of an incident that happened five years ago and there's some fraud, some definitely some overlap but the details he, he was wearing a yellow shirt no 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 it's a sweater margaret was there no she wasn't she was out of the we had we had turkey dinner no 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 we didn't we had we went out for a restaurant what Know, the, the <laughs> and what do you give attention to the features that you give attention to and on, as you've experienced in retreats this is pretty psychedelic in some ways how different yogis will be extremely convinced of data things that happening or sensitive to uh, really quite moved by data that other people don't even notice Hmm? happening apparently and begin to get that uh uh-oh something wrong (laughs) it's the mind not that these things are not to be sensed and understood in fact they're very important to understand them because that's telling you your attention is not an unbiased organ at all. And it's those biases that you want to come to terms with and understand. Because in this, these are telling you the kind of messages, urges, palpitations, rushes, retractions that your jitta is doing. That are, that are leading attention to see, discern, imagine, conceive of certain things. And the message then is, do not let your consciousness, your reality, get assembled on this material. Let it instead be assembled on handling this material, investigating this material, unlinking from this material, so you can at least scan it, supervise it, and maybe even discharging, you know, the poignant, searing, unpleasant impressions within that as a basis, and then actually beginning to become a bit less fascinated with this level of material as being a real significant foundation for your reality, Sense consciousness is not very accurate (laughs) at all. (laughs) in terms of what's meaningful for liberation what is most accurate for liberation what you really know about liberation is what's happening in your citta and sense consciousness will tell you that if you know how to under- interpret the signs and the signs are of course degrees of hostility, fear inferred, suggested coming from others, coming from myself, ill will guilt you know, intimidation uh, threat and so forth that's a sign, a sign of ill will this I need to review for this I better unhook from my idea that he she they don't like me or I'm not as good as he she they are can I not be dependent upon that can my consciousness not be dependent upon that but in fact dependent upon the qualities of wisdom activated wisdom dependent upon the qualities of faith in the triple gem there is a way through this dependent upon the qualities of energy Hmm? dependent upon Dhamma we seek our support we take our nitsaya our dependence on Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha and and we challenge our assumptions we investigate our assumptions. Does this quality of ill will, craving, greed, proliferation, delusion, is that present? If it's present, there's no point rebuking and blaming and castigating and feeling hopeless. The point is, ah, now you're seeing some of these signals. Now is the time to not build something upon them, but in fact, deconstruct. Mm? Now, what is this to do with consciousness? Which, you know, is is the word used to translate vinyana, and it's uh, often a a problematic uh, translation because consciousness has got a long history in in the West and means a number of things, many things, uh, mind, heart, soul, spirit, um, all kinds of things, and its uh, general assumption is, is of, a, of a continual quality, continuing quality. Mm. You might say a continuing quality, and that even in India, that a quality that could be, you know, united with Brahma. Mm-hmm. So, but in this we're looking at the Buddha saying well you have different kinds of consciousness I, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind and none of them are to be clung to so this consciousness is um, another, another term that, that is useful another little uh, teaching that's useful to uh, bear in mind in trying to understand what this Consciousness and becoming, bhava, are. It's in the mm, Anguttara Book of the Threes, I think, 76. And it says uh, the Buddha talks to Ananda and he says, well, karma is the field, consciousness, the seed, and craving, the sap or the moisture, or the fertilizing juice, you could say, for further becoming. Bawa. So this word bawa, existence, becoming. Karma is the field. Um, So this means, well, my interpretation of this is that uh, uh, we arise in a field or in a continuum of actions that have occurred, that we've inherited the results of certain actions, such as um, having been born. Um, this, if you say the, what's called the basic karma of birth. One is born. There is a body. There is a sense faculties, and this is, you know, this this, this is a result of previous actions. This has arisen. There's also the uh, karma in terms of one's s- social, familial, uh, interactive domain, which, since we are in this, we have to have relationships, and they're not always skillful, helpful. So we can also inherit this. We also inherit the karma of what we directly done, our proclivities, our tendencies, our inclinations, good and bad. So we've, this is this is a field, a whole domain, mm-hmm. and whenever as beings fettered by ignorance and limited by craving, whenever that field consciousness drops into that field, it's a seed. So it's like a from this potential, a field of karma, a specific moment lands and craving nourishes it. So, clearly the poetic image. Mm. Through attention, one attends to certain potentials, consciousness gets established there, clinging to that. Consciousness is established on that memory, that impression, that habit, that inclination. Consciousness mind consciousness established on that particular karmic disposition craving the juice gets going on it therefore there is further becoming one perpetuates a particular pattern habit inclination uh, a memory um, so disposition one perpetuates it this is called further becoming bawa so, this word bhava, existence, becoming, being, um, it means there's a perpetuation of an entity. Consciousness is that which assembles a world. If we again go back to uh, direct experience, say, visual consciousness, you, what's actually happening, if you hold your eyes quite steady, just a series of visual data, pop, pop, landing. Hmm? Pink and brown and blue and black and white. Consciousness builds that into cushions and colors and clothes and shapes. the the eye just sees visual data consciousness forms a visual reality out of that data Hmm. if you take hallucinogenic substances you'll get different consciousness will resemble different world Hmm. hearing, listening consciousness assembles reality out of the herd a world so consciousness is the world builder taking world in a very specific sense means one's apparent three-dimensional reality that exists in time uh, it was, it will be, it's solid, I'm in this. That's what consciousness does. Consciousness generates an feo- a experience of I am in a this, a subject and an object. I am in a this. I am in this visual world. Out of what are really just momentary occasions of light striking the eyes. powerful huh? and at death maybe that's going to start changing quite radically you know as because this is a, a system a generated condition system that begins to break down where are you then when the visual world isn't there when the thought formations are no longer available or stable, confused, frightened. Mm. Therefore, the advice is do not establish, do not cling to this assembled reality on any level Mm. so that the future consciousness, the next moment, you know, so this is very much a future experience you do not establish your mind consciousness based upon what your mind has told you you don't keep thinking about the fear or the obsession or the worry or the sight, or the sound. And for the uh, uninstructed, untrained person, this is inconceivable, because they know no other world apart from the world of the six senses. Therefore, when those break up, such a being is uh, deed foundering, flailing and probably helplessly drawn towards those moods and impressions. So, clearly for Vinayal Sariputta this was not the case. So he had gone through all the different domains and realized that one doesn't have to have a consciousness arising dependent on this on any of it, even things like the base of neither perception or non-perception, the sphere of infinite space and so on, Says, don't even cling to that. Which, uh, yeah, I mean, right, <laughs> 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 it's not going to be a problem, probably. <laughs> so how is that possible? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and for the world of the mono mind, this is not possible. The world of citta, it is possible. Karma is the field, craving the juice. Consciousness is this thing we've been born into experience be born at assembling worlds but that seed doesn't sprout this is no juice there is an inheritance, there is karma there is that which has been felt moved, touched, delighted shocked there is that does consciousness have to be placed there and does it still get the juice of I am, I was, I will be, I never will be they were, I am, I'm not Mm. how can I be, why should I be why am I, when will I be doesn't get that Mm because of this non-activation then the topic fades out it's, it's no longer brought up the consciousness doesn't land there just as we would recognise it in our lives how much do you really remember fragments probably the fragments which are most happy painful joyful Disappointing. The rest of it, gone. Consciousness doesn't land where there's nothing to delight, fascinate, irritate, disturb, query, get the mind going. It just doesn't. You don't, it doesn't come into mind. Hmm. But that which can arouse does. So we recognise this in our humble experience. Could it be that that which is aroused, that which is shocked, that which is, you know, could be seen with dispassion as just that is an object of mind consciousness and my intention no longer is steered by that. My interest is no longer steered by that. My reactions are no longer acting upon that, governed by that. In fact, that is called... That is it's completed, that it's finished. Could that be the case? And in training, the answer is yes, it could be the case. It could be the case. So one trains one's citta. Hmm? To not cling. Now, this crucial phrase, up well it comes to upadana is the noun uh, the, the verb is upadayati to, um, to do the clinging English word clinging has been established as the norm it's as good as not bad <laughs> uh, but it, sometimes it seems to imply um, I cling I'm a clingy kind of person, I'm attached to um, this person or that person. And this isn't quite the case. Uh, because in, if we understand it as that, then we get into various views about shouldn't be attached to this or that or the other. Um, and this isn't really going to uh, either deal with the problem or is effective in the solution, in terms of the solution. Once you interpret it as uh, attachment, in this sense, it seems to be something, um, you know, when it's attached to places or people, uh, and, and you shouldn't be. And this line of of uh, mental engagement is um, frustrating and um, not furthering. Mm-hmm. Because what is said is, one should not cling to those moments. Those those moments of felt reality that have arisen. It doesn't mean that it. It means that there should be the release of that clinging. Now, with clinging, and if you review this word, it really means. Also, it sometimes means feeding upon and landing on something and and getting into it and, and sucking juice or energy from it. And if we review how this term occurs in the dependent origination, you'll notice that there's tanha, craving, upadana, clinging, bhava, becoming, jati, birth. So in terms of how that word is used, we can see that clinging is the immediate um, prior condition for becoming. And becoming is this process whereby consciousness forms a fixed reality or attempts to form a fixed reality, sight, sound, mind. It, it forms scenarios. It forms visual ones. And most pertinently, it forms mental scenarios, <coughs> mental worlds. The world of becoming. Mm-hmm. It's become this. Uh, and uh, these mental worlds of becoming, we carry around. And we use them to, we get frightened by them. What I will become. What I will be. What will happen when? What I was. Who she is. What they are. And it becomes this. This is this mental world of of becoming. Mm-hmm. And from that is birth. The arising. That born is a me, a you, and an it, and a them will be was won't be and so forth all that has come into the birth the being birth process formulation so clinging assembles bawa consolidates birth finalizes the process mm. our practices if we consciously come to review, Say what occurs in reality, say with people or events, we realize in the actuality there is no three dimensional person there, there's just the arising of happiness, fear, confidence, concern, disagreement, negativity that's what arises. There's no person. The actuality is this flushing of felt chitta phenomena Mm. could be grateful could be worried could be any these kind of qualities arise Mm. and so it's really important to realize that what consciousness provides us with as our field of practice is essentially relationship consciousness always implies two a me and an it, a me and a you, even a me and what I should be, <laughs> it always implies two. If the relationship is one of clinging, then those two become separate entities. What I should be becomes a very clear, fixed image. What I am also becomes a very fixed image, and they never quite meet. Hmm? What she is becomes a fixed image and what I am becomes a fixed image and we never quite meet. We'd like to meet, but we never quite meet. Because I'm relating to someone who isn't actually there. (laughs) And certainly, you know, in relationships this is happening a lot, isn't it? She's relating to you, she's relating to her version of you, and you're relating to your version of her. And you wonder why they don't quite meet <laughs> but <laughs> it doesn't mean there shouldn't be any relationship but the relationship is much more negotiated like this is what's arising most directly is a sense of interest or enthusiasm or whatever or apprehension uh, and it's just quiet on that within that field, of that relational field so if they're clinging to it, hmm? clinging within that so that becoming occurs, and clinging to that based upon one's particular craving to be something, and that she be something, that I be something, and that she sees me as something, this is going to get difficult. <laughs> 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 Can we just kind of just pause and what arises hmm? and how, how does one work with well this is the feeling of, this is the mood of uh, confusion and fear, well let's quieten that here's the inclination of uh, trust and confidence, let's stabilize that, feels good, feels wholesome Yeah. And so that you working on much more on a relational level within what consciousness presents since we do not have a place outside of consciousness to go (laughs) in this life we have relational experiences that if they are healed if they are cooled, if they are held with dispassion hmm, may help us to steady and release our citta from its fear, demandingness, uh, irritation, uh, craving, so that when this scenario drops away, the chitta could be released from those tendencies. This is possible. But whereas the idea of don't attach means don't notice, don't see, don't touch, don't hear, don't, you know, cut everything off. Not clinging means, no, don't cut it off. Cut off what you recognize as unwholesome in that experience. Because you're always going to have an experience of a subject and an object. Whether the object is your idea of yourself or your idea of her, or your mood about that, what that happened, or your interpretation of what went on yesterday, that's an object, yeah? and it's creating, the object creates an entity who is disturbed by that. Yeah? And could that, rather than crystallizing around, why am I so such a disturbed person, Yeah, that's becoming, creating a person, birth? Or why is why are they so difficult? Why don't I comprehend that relational dissonance, the citta, the perceptions and meanings that have arisen, the moves and inclinations arisen, the fluctuations and urges and recoiling that's arisen? Why don't I review that? Release the craving Soften, widen, smooth, steady. This is possible. Then, in this very life, the consciousness that then arises, subsequent upon cooling, upon dispassion, upon release, is not picking up those signs, is not oriented around that. And this way, consciousness can be successively trained to be trackless measureless boundless landing on nothing hmm. released from because of the work we do on chitta. thus you should train So, though the, the, the Arahant Sariputta goes through the entire list to make sure there's not a single quality in the cosmos that's been left out, hmm. very, since he's an Arahant, he's explored the entire field of what's possible in human experience. Um, we might start with something more modest. <laughs> <laughs> I will not cling to eye-consciousness, ear-consciousness, body-consciousness, contact, feeling, mm, perceptions, mm, activations, formations, sankhara. Instead of clinging to them, I will instead cultivate a more skillful mode of holding them, which resembles clinging in some respects. Mindfulness. Mindfulness holds an object. Mindfulness is able to you know just the cleaning does, but mindfulness void of craving. Just steadying, holding. This is the field of experience, it's like this. Mm. And inquiring within that field with pertinent attention, wise attention, skillful attention, and with full comprehension, one sees ah, this is the bit, not the color, or the shape, or the taste, or the sound, but the quality of passion, ill will, distress, projection, confusion. That's the piece. And that's not in her or him, or that, that's in this chitta. Therefore, this must be my topic, and the quelling and the cooling of this, through detachment, through stepping back, through dispassion, through no longer getting into a fluster and a tribunal and a blaming thing with this, just dispassionate ceasing, beginning to see certain habitual Reactive tendencies falling away. Mm. Relinquishment of the self view that I am this, was this, will be this, or am not this. Mm. Then there is this is called the release through non clinging. And the uh, Buddha famously, you can look it up in the Way to the Imperturbable says of all the places of clinging you know best kinds of clinging if you want to cling best places to cling to are the field of non-finite space the field of neither perception nor perception I hold these are the best places to cling to but the deathless deathlessness is the liberation of the jitta through non-clinging this is our advice to you <laughs> is just 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 staggering in in the profundity and the simplicity and the compassion in this in this dispensation. This is why one does feel a sense of the Buddha will be my support, the Dhamma will be my support, the field of practice will be my support, I will take dependence upon this. Not upon what my eyes, ears, tongue, body, and mind (laughs) tell me. Anyone?